Take your Bibles and turn with you to Proverbs this morning, Proverbs chapter 24, and I tell you what, uh, if you heard that song this morning, you think it's a pretty song, but if you'd been where I was at last week, it wasn't just a pretty song, it was truth. I tell you, I, I don't know, I'm just struggling with what the Lord wants us to do this morning. We're supposed to do some testimonies tonight about the trailer park experience we had last week, but it may break out this morning. <laughs> I tell you, last week, I'm, I'm just going to give you just a little bit, don't miss tonight. I know Mercy's Cross is going to do a great job, but I want you to see the pictures. See some of the faces. Less than 150 miles from you. There were children this last week we ministered to that had, there were children as small as four years old come running down the street to see us. No mommy and daddy in sight. I don't know if some of us have seen them all day. No, there were children as old as 16, 17. And out of all those children, we averaged, the first night was our lowest night of 48 people. After that, it was over 50 every night. Out in the heat, under tents. And they were waiting. One little boy had been there at 6 a.m. Because he didn't know how to tell whether it was 6 a.m. or p.m. on the flyer. And he was afraid he was going to miss us. And they were waiting every night. And out of all those children... There was not a one of them that knew John 3.16. And we're not talking about, we're talking about less than 200 miles from you folks. And we're going to talk about it a little more tonight at the end of the service. I don't want to take up all the time. I know we're on the radio this morning. But folks need to hear it. There were kids there, and the folks that went with me, are, I see many of them already starting to tear up because they saw it. These kids, they weren't just wanting to come to Bible school. They were hoping somebody had something for them. Some of them, it was the first time they'd seen adults that weren't screaming cuss words at them. Tell them to get out of the way. And we, we saw teenagers that I know what happened when they went in the woods before they came to vacation Bible school. They had needle marks in their arms. But they came. And when we ask them about God, the only theology that these teenagers knew was one of them had heard her daddy said somewhere, she wanted to know, was it true that there's a cross on the back of a donkey? <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> Come to find out, I guess it's true that the donkey has a cross on his back. I didn't know that. I said, no, honey, but I'll look it up and find out tomorrow night. <laughs> and, uh, and, and tomorrow night, and they'd never heard the prodigal son <laughs> They'd never heard that Jesus was God's son. And I'm talking about kids less than 200 miles from you. And while we sit in our air-conditioned church service this morning, they don't have a church. But next Wednesday night at 6 p.m., Cornerstone Baptist that we helped is going to be holding their first Wednesday night service in that park. Man, that's awesome. There's adults there that came down to the meeting, adults that came down. And Brother Clark Williamson, many of you know him, he got to teach the Gospel of John to these folks. Some of the older teens that I kind of call thug wannabes, you know, they were sitting on the swings. They had to, I, I'm pretty positive they told some of the older teens the first night not to go. But the next night they had disobeyed them and went anyway. Well, by the third night, they were sitting on the swings listening to the message. <laughs> 
And I don't know how many. I know we had three or four that raised their hands, said they prayed a prayer. We don't know how many of them actually got saved. But folks, we were having to start back at the beginning. We were having to start back with, they said, really? God created everything? Well, where is God? You mean he's over there? He's here? He's there? They didn't know that. We were going to do mission live time where we had a missionary talk to him live. The pastor had been on some missionary trips. He looked at him and said, do you guys know what a missionary is? And we just got blank stares. We're talking about 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 16-year-olds. Had no clue what a missionary was. And yeah, there were kids that got up in the middle of service and remembered that they had something that they were told they had to do, and they went running down the street. One of them, a 16-year-old, she just came running down the street. I've got to do something. I was told I had to make sure and get it done. I'll be back. Right there in the middle of the lesson. Some of them were laying on the ground during the service. But you know what? It's she was running, jumped over a chair to get back and get back in there just as quick as she could. She came flying back in, flipped over the chair, plopped in her seat, and she said, I'm back. I said, do tell. <laughs> Never would have guessed. But you know what? God loves those kids. I want you to be here tonight. Make it a point. I know some of you got more important things to do than come to church tonight. But when you get in a spot where there's nobody, it'd be important to you then. Let's come back tonight, and we'll share with you some more about that. A couple of weeks ago, we started a series, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to preach this this morning after what we saw, but that's okay. We'll just tell you what God did. A couple of weeks, actually a couple of months ago now, I started a series on Wednesday nights called The Pillars of Proverbs, Practical Pillars for Powerful Living. And this morning as we see these pillars here beside us, and those of you in the radio audience, we have some pillars over here that our flower pots are standing on. Every society, and we've based our story to kind of, or our study rather, to back up and give you kind of a, a backlog of it, so to speak, a review. We base this on Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 1, and the Bible says this, Wisdom hath builded her seven pillars, she hath sown, or wisdom hath builded her pillars, yea, she hath sown out her seven pillars. There are seven pillars that can be found throughout the book of Proverbs. These pillars are on what a society, a Christian, Judeo-Christian society can be built. Now, when you go over to the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, the Bible says there are six things that the Lord doth hate, yea, seven are an abomination to the Lord. You find that you have seven pillars upon which a society is built. We have thus far in our study talked about the pillar, I believe, the pillar of instruction and the pillar of respect. When you begin to remove those, for every pillar that God has, that societies and families must be built on, the devil has an equal and anti-pillar, if you will. He would like to destroy those pillars, and if we ever saw a result of that last week, for those of you that were on the team in the VBS in Swansboro, you saw the result. When those pillars are removed, you get a society that doesn't care about God. You start out where the book of Judges was found. That is the book in, in a state of, we start out in a state of uh, apostasy uh, or, or rather a um, state of apathy, which says, I don't care. 
Then that jumps to a state of apostasy, which says now I no longer don't care, but now I don't care about God. You take that a couple steps further and you will get what is called a state of anarchy. And that's exactly where the book of Judges was. It was a repetitive theme over and over. I don't care. Now I don't care about God. And guess what? Next, I don't care about you. And so therefore, it doesn't matter if I take a gun and blow your brains out because I don't care about you. It doesn't matter if I beat up my friend in school for his tennis shoes because I don't care about God. I don't care about you. And that's what happens when the pillars that we find in Proverbs are beginning to be eradicated or destroyed and destructed. Now, we see this morning in the book of Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 3, through wisdom is a house builded and by understanding it is established. Through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established. We're going to be talking about this morning, and the title of the message is The Pillar of Family. I believe if there is any pillar in society that is under attack, it is that of the home. It is no longer... If I were to ask the average person on the street or unfortunately in the church, what does the word family mean? You won't get one definition. Today we are having to state in our charters and bylaws that a marriage is one man and one woman. I was talking to a couple one time about getting married and I said, well, nowadays, first thing you got to do is find out, are they a man or are they a woman? And have you always been so? Well, that's sad, isn't it? Now, our government would like what I just said to be called hate speech. Now, I don't hate anybody. I don't hate that. I don't hate anything but sin. I had a man who was of that persuasion in our church that we were able to lead to the Lord, sat down and ate lunch with him, baptized him. Person that persuasion comes in the door, Benson Grove, we need to shake their hand, say, glad you're here. God loves you. We're not about hating people. But the Bible says, here is a way, and by the way, I'll throw this one out for free. A person in that kind of relationship is not doing anything but what God already mandated. One acts like the man, one acts like the woman. <laughs> Just do what was right to begin with. You won't have any trouble with that. It's the same thing. <laughs> but you know what? The pillar of family is so eradicated and so destroyed, we don't know what it is anymore. What is family? What does it mean to be family? You know, for the kids in the park last week, I showed them, uh, well, they knew my family was there, but I gave them some of our cards and they said, oh, this is your daughter and this is your wife. Well, they didn't understand that we'd been married over 15 years. So then that was a foreign concept. And I want to also remind you that God forgives anything. And there are folks here that you would, you would probably cringe if people knew what you have done in your life. But it doesn't matter. God loves you anyway. God can forgive anything. But I want you to realize and I want you to understand that when we begin to reap those wild oats, they will come back and you'll, you, you begin to sow them, you're going to reap them. 
And that is where we are at. That through wisdom is a house built. Family, and this is our first point this morning, must be planned. Now I know I have preached a similar message to this, but I could not get away from it here at the church this morning. And I'm not talking about family planning and the welfare group. I'm talking about planning. We plan to buy a house. We plan to buy a car. But you know what? How many of you have planned for your children to love Jesus and to plan for them to grow up as spiritual leaders in your church. We understand a 30-year mortgage. But most of your kids are going to be out of the house in 18. The drywall is going to crumble and fail. But your kids are going to live forever. Your grandkids are going to live forever. Eternity is simple, smoking or not. Where are they going to be? You see, in the book of Proverbs, he says, Through wisdom is a house builded. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 27. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 27. Family must be planned. He says, Prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field, and afterwards build thine house. What are your goals for your family? We unfortunately have learned how to plan, how to have a bank account, how to have an IRA. But we've not spent a lot of time planning on how to raise up our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. In America. You see, it must be planned. There must be a time that you as a family, and you may be a single parent, and that's difficult, but you can do it. You need to, even if it's just you, write it on a piece of paper if you got to. If you're married, talk to your spouse. Make some goals. I would rather shoot at the moon and hit the stump than to shoot at the stump and blow my foot off. Wouldn't you? You see, have you ever thought about it? And my wife and I, we've made some goals for our... We want our daughter to be involved in our ministry. We want her to be in our skits. We want her to be in our activities. I want her to grow up loving the house of God. Well, how am I going to get there? Well, it means every time the doors open and I get a chance to be there, I'm there. It means when it comes up a choice between one thing or church, I'm going to choose church. You say, well, I don't believe that. That's fine. You, you, you can make that choice. But what is your choices? We've got a generation who only knows the backside of a donkey has got a cross on it. It's theology. <laughs> because we haven't planned. Brother Steve, the other night, when he came down the trailer park, his heart was touched. I know when he saw what was happening there, he came down to help us. I pulled one of our campers home and he said, uh, by the way, those of you that gave for helping with the campers, we used a couple of them down there last week, had no idea we would be taking them on the road like that. (laughs) What a blessing. But he said, you know where this started? He said, when we took God out of school, we took the Bible out of school. 
We don't have a plan. And I want to dare you, as kids, we used to say, double dog dare you. Get a plan for your family. So mine are all gone. Talk to your kids about getting a spiritual plan for your kids. You see, family must not only be planned, but it must be promoted. Say, so where does it start? Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21 gives us a good clue. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. The Word of God states this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Talk to them. What you say and how you say it may change your family forever. Family must be planned, but it must be promoted. Think about the man Moses. Do you think some planning went into that little ark that Moses was placed in, in that river in the Nile? Or do you think that uh, Jochebed got up one morning and said, huh, oh, here's a basket. Let's throw this basket out here and throw the baby in it. I cringed last week. We looked up and there came at least twice little kids that were four, three to four years old running down a street, uh, not so nice of a neighborhood necessarily, running down a street all by their self. I never saw their parents the whole time we were there. Most of you would have never done that, I hope. But here, it took some promoting. You believe, do you think that Moses' parents believed in promoting family? You better believe it. Boy, a lot of prayer, a lot of planning, a lot of promotion went into that. They were promoting it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I guarantee you, they taught him a lot. They tried to, when she finally got the chance to take him back into her home, she knew she only had about four years. I guarantee you, she talked to that boy. She told him all the theology she could come up with. She told him about the God of Israel. And unfortunately, if Moses had been alive today, somebody said, Moses, there's hope for you. Moses was a basket case. Moses had been alive today. I'm afraid he'd have been at social services with a caseworker instead of a princess. And as much as I appreciate folks that want to do good, most of the time the state has no answer because their hands are tied when it comes to the Word of God. And do you realize that family must be promoted? You go back through the books of the Bible. Timothy. How did Timothy get to be there? I have seen the faith of your mother and your grandmother, Timothy. And it is the same that is instilled in you. If your children were going to do your funeral tomorrow, could they even tell of your salvation experience? Do they know? Would would they have to try to go back and find out if mommy and daddy were really saved or not? Or would they know? Would they know what was important to them? Would they know what is really important? You know, I was thinking about this. 
as I was thinking about that family must be promoted, it must be planned, it must be promoted because we have forgot about it and it must be prepared. Some of you are doing a great job raising your children. You've got them here every time the doors are open and I commend you for that. Some of you are on the edge. You're thinking about getting them here. And I encourage you, please, get them here. You know, I was talking to Brother Ray Edwards not too long ago, uh, our missionary to Venezuela. And he said, you know what's going on in America? He said, you know why you can have rallies and this and that and the other and you won't have a lot of kids there? He said, because we have scheduled our kids out of church. They have the underwater basket weaving tournament and all the kids will be there. (laughs) You know, the last three weeks in a row, we've either, four weeks... I've been at a softball tournament preaching, or Brother LaVon's been twice to a softball tournament preaching. Uh, Brother Clark Williamson down in Swansboro got him in touch with the group. He was at a softball tournament preaching. Every single time, the least amount of attendance we have was over 200. And I am so excited because we're able to share the gospel in a public setting where the fish are. That's wonderful. But yet it causes me sadness. Because there's Saturday in which we can play ball. Yes, are you mad at ball? No, I used to coach. <laughs> but what's going to happen when those kids grow up and say, what's most important? I know uh, if I'm stepping on your toes, you might need to think about moving where you're sitting. <laughs> and I, don't, I mean that in all the love I can muster because I, I go to the softball fields and love on those folks. There's some great folks there. But I just have to wonder... What is going to be valued as the most important? That they were a great ball player? Or that they loved Jesus? And I know we have some professional athletes that are great Christians. I mean, I admire like Tim Tebow, Tony Dungy. They're doing some great things. And I'm not going to tell you, stand here and say that, hey, you're wrong because your kids ever played a ball game on Sunday. That's for you to decide. Between you and God. But you have to decide, how am I going to promote family? How am I going to promote this so that they know, without a shadow of doubt, that God is the most important thing in my life? You might can do it going on the ball field all all weekend. That may be. And if that's the case, wonderful. But you know what? For the majority of Americans... We have scheduled kids out of church. We are taking them out, and it's a methodical thing. Used to be it was, it was uh, the little leagues didn't play on Wednesday night because there was church. Then it was Wednesday night, and that's okay to miss. But then all of a sudden, it was never Sunday. You would never do that on Sunday. And the organization in which we're in, which we go to preach at the softball fields and tournaments, they're begging for preachers to come to the football, the hockey, and the soccer. They're more attended than the softball is. There were, I think, 16 teams at the one we were at last time. of You know, 12 or 13 apiece. <laughs> Our nation has gone crazy over it. We, we have, and you know what has happened We haven't had enough Christians to stand up and say, no, I'm going to change it. 
I want my kid to know what's important. I won't be there. You'll be without mine. I guarantee you, if you had a couple of weeks ago, we had a tournament on Father's Day that got the Sunday part got canceled because people said, no, we don't want to go because it's Father's Day. I guarantee you, enough Christians stood up and said, we're going to do that. We're not going to play on Sunday. We'll play every other day. They'll, they'll quit doing it on Sunday. But it's going to take a group, a majority to stand up and say, hey, we don't want this anymore. Family must be promoted. Because you see, there's going to be some grouchy times. <laughs> Did everybody come here this morning? Anybody come here mad at your spouse? <laughs> don't, don't, don't raise your hand. <laughs> oh my. I should have prefaced that. Man, I could see some of you pointing. <laughs> and I tell you what, I, I love this church. This church is awesome, and I've loved this church. I brag about Benson Grove all the time. So we got ministry teams going out all over the place, and it's wonderful. Do you know what? The church, the home, the family, it's going to go through rough times. There are times, Proverbs chapter 17 verse 1 says, Better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifices with strife. <laughs> you know what that means in our redneck Johnson County language? <laughs> it's better to have a Carolina Packer and nothing else than it is to have a, uh, to have a, a whole house full of steak and everybody's arguing. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> You know what I mean? But you know what? We're human. We're, per we're not perfect. We're going to get mad at one another. There's times your family's going to have crises. You know, Sister Debbie the other day with that surgery, I know that had to be very trying on the Tippett family. But Graham Langdon just passed away this last week, I was told, while we were away. It's a trying time. We've lost so many this year. I could just go down the list. I mean, Mason and, and uh, brother, brother Brown and I mean, Brother Ennis and uh, Mr. Willis. I mean, you just go down the list. There's going to be trying times. And there are two times that will take your family away from the house of God. The grouchy times are one of them. In fact, uh, Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 30 now turn to that real quickly. I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but you don't need to trust me. You need to trust what he's got to say. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 30. I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof. And the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep and a little slumber and a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth and thy want as an armed man. We have got to be ready for those times and be busy. He went by this field and he looked and there were weeds in it. The only thing that grows well unattended, Brother Mitchell, is weeds, isn't it? <laughs> I looked the other day, Brother Mitchell Farms, I've heard he can make a lot of stuff grow. But you don't have to do nothing to make weeds grow. I can do that. <laughs> I looked the other day out at the camp property. And I looked at my wife and I said, it's been so dry. And I want you to look up there. We can't get the grass to pop up out there. And right out there in that light pole, on the side of a light pole, there's a weed growing out of it. <laughs> Not even dirt out there. 
Can I tell you? When America hit the grouchy times, the weeds started sprouting. But I'm not sure if it was the grouchy times, because a lot of times when we have these grouchy times, we pull together. After 9-11, you couldn't find a commentator who was afraid to say God on television. Before 9-11, it was God, it was a swear word. But we forgot real quickly, didn't we? But you see, that brought us together. There were no Republicans, Democrats, and bipartisan this or that or the other on 9-12. I was on the streets, 9-11, visiting homes. We had about 60 people out on visitation. Just happened to be playing that night. I tell you what, we didn't get no door slammed in our face that night. People were wondering what was going on. Do you know what will get us worse than the grouchy times? The good times. We've been blessed. A favorite verse of mine, Proverbs chapter 30, and verse number 7 and 8. And now you've got to remember, this is Solomon talking here. The wisest, richest, wealthiest man that ever lived. Had it all. Nothing wrong with having things as long as they don't have you. Proverbs chapter 30, what does he say though? Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. He says, look, just give me what I need every day. Because if I don't have enough, I might steal. You know, last week at the mobile home park there, we saw the results of some that don't have enough in some of the places. We, but you know what we see more of in our country? Those that have had so much in abundance. America has been in the good times. And while we've been rolling in the good times, the pillar of the family has been knocked out. In the days of the Great Depression, people would go to an old-fashioned camp meeting, a sawdust trail, and they didn't care if it was air-conditioned. They didn't care if there was pews. They didn't care if there was windows in the building. They wanted something because they needed something. We had the sawdust trails. I'll be honest to say, many of us, me being one of them, at times in my life would have complained about meeting the way we met last week out there in that trailer park. Man, we sat up every night. We had to take clothes to change into because we were soaked. <laughs> and we would sit there and, and, but you know what? When you see a kid that's been coming down there, the kid didn't have nothing but a pair of shorts. That's all he wore all week, the same pair. And he came down there all week long making sure he was there at 6 in the morning to make sure he doesn't miss vacation Bible school, you forget that it's hot outside. And in the good times, we have let it slip away, the family, because we were blessed. 
We had it all. And we didn't need God. But you know what's happening? I am almost excited to see our economy slowing down. I think it's probably beyond slowing down. I think it was Brother, uh, Brother Jackson was telling me not long ago that there were people that are buying campers now to live in because their homes are being repossessed. And you know what we noticed? Folks last week that didn't have anything are hungry for the Word of God. They would have stayed there a long time, I think. We started to lose them toward the end because some, some, some parents did start to come and get them after a while. Some didn't, but some just lost interest because their span of attention is not very long. They're used to just running wild, so they don't have a lot of attention span. But every night when we would get there to set up, first night there was a few waiting on us. By the last night, there were kids that were kind of rough the beginning of the week towards us even. By the last night, they were helping us set our tents up. <laughs> I want to know what can we do to help. <laughs> a lady came walking down the street and she said, I saw what you guys are doing. <laughs> and uh, is there anything I can do to help? <laughs> she didn't have any kids. She's a grandmother. <laughs> And she said, I love what you're doing. Can I help? And she'll be at the Bible study Wednesday night. They had about five or six adults there last night. And they said, she'll be there. Because you see, they're hungry. Next Wednesday night, they won't have a padded pew. They might, they'll have a folding metal chair. <laughs> if the pastor brings them in the back of his truck. <laughs> And then I think about, and I thought about our church and other churches. And I thought about my own attitude. You know, I went into our Sunday school just a couple of weeks ago, and all the vacation Bible school stuff was thrown out on there. And I said, man, they're taking over our class. What do we got to do that? You know what? Lord got after me about that, and he said, you ought to praise God you're in a church that's doing vacation Bible school. <laughs> that was exciting, and I'm thankful for you VBS workers. Put it out in the... If we, if we have to have, we have the biggest vacation Bible school I remember here, all those kids up on the stage. Man, we, we had 34 junior hires every night. I told somebody, I said, next year, if it keeps going, junior high is going to have to have the auditorium. We're going to put music in the back back there. That's all right. Take over the whole place and put pictures everywhere. I don't care. Just get those kids in here. And I thought about that when I thought, you know what? They don't have a building. We had four stations. We had tents set up. You talk about distracting. Try to teach when the ice cream truck comes by. <laughs> My wife had three of them that their daddy had promised them ice cream. That was what he was going to do for them, you know, nice this week. They jumped up in the middle of the lesson and said, we'll be back. And they took off and they came back in a few minutes with an ice cream cone and sat down again. <laughs> We're blessed. And my fear is that we are so blessed that we'll forget God. You know, we're going to end this morning in a little different manner. I'm going to have my wife come and my daughter's going to help me in her a minute. Sometimes when you see it in a drama, it gets your attention more than anything. I used the illustration Brother Billy used last week at VBS, at the VBS down there, and it got their attention. I was so thankful for it. 
But I know we're on the internet and the radio, and I'm trying to get this on there, so I'm, I'm trying to hurry here, and I know you'll have to listen on the radio to these skit lines. We'll make sure we try to act those out. And I know some of the things I've said this morning are hard for us to handle. Oh, believe me, I've been preaching it myself all week before I ever stood here. And please don't take anything I said in anger or anything. I love you folks. I just want to see God work through our church. I want to see God do something great. I was so excited that we had a team. And every dime that was spent on that VBS last week, folks, it's worth it. We had uh, the VBS that we had here at our church. Don't ever shrink that budget. Keep pushing it. That's our next church. Thank you for all you workers that have been here and provided meals and all the things that have been done. But I want you to imagine with me, imagine that there was a a check-in desk at heaven. Family must be planned, must be promoted, it must be prepared. And I want you to imagine... That you, um, you came, I'm going to be the person just walking up to heaven at the check-in desk. Well, hello, is this the check-in place where yes. I come? Yes, good afternoon, sir. Welcome to heaven. Why, thank you. It's good to be here. Yes, my name is Angelica, and I'm in charge of baggage check-in. Can I see baggage you Baggage checking? <laughs> oh, yes, heavenland security, you know. We must get rid of extra stuff. Seriously? <laughs> yes, we have a lot of clutter that people like to try to bring in, and we try to eliminate that as much as possible. Your bag, well, please? Uh, okay, I guess if there's no other way, you can look through it. Thank you. Let's there's no see. bombs, I promise you. Well, what you got? I'm not that there. kind of guy. What do we have? Uh, just some stuff that I need. A trophy? Yes, we won that. Sir, don't you know? It's golden. You will be given something much better at this to cast at Jesus' feet. You don't need this. Trophies are provided. Oh. What else do you have in here? Well, it's, uh, it's important stuff. These yeah. things are things I built my life with. A flashlight? Uh, well, I'm afraid it might get dark. I'm have scared you, of the dark. Have you not read your Bible? There's no darkness in heaven. You don't need this. Okay. Well, I guess I can do without my that. It was goodness, only a Dollar goodness. Tree one anyway. But... Um, ID? Yes. Sir. I want people to know who I am. And I've got my money in there, my credit cards. Sir, please. Everyone in heaven knows everybody. And as far as money, our pavement is worth more than what you've got. Well, okay. But you're kind you of eliminating my stuff. Yeah, you're yes, taking sir. my stuff away. Um, you're, you're taking it all yes, away. Sir. I've got to have something. You're fine. A, a calendar? Yes. How would I live without my calendar? I've got all those dates no, in there, no. all these engagements. Sir. And... Sir, excuse me. Time stands still in heaven. Uh, you uh, don't need this. I don't need it? Let's see. What else do you have in here? Well, maybe I can carry this bag now. It might be pretty easy to tote. Uh, a golf ball? <laughs> well, yes, a golf ball. I mean, Why? I spent half my life Why? on the golf course. Doing what? I was worshiping. Worshiping? <laughs> Sir, Jesus is in heaven. That's all we do is worship. You don't need props. Well, okay. Um, well, um... I can't your, have it? No. Here's your bag is empty. I guess you really don't need it. But. All right. You're, you're free to go. But wait a minute. I don't. I, I don't have anything. I want to take something to heaven with me. Can I take something? Can I go? Can she go? Yes, sir. That's one of the most valuable possessions you can take to heaven with you. It's your family. 
Let's stand to our feet, shall we? The only thing you're going to take, it won't be the car. It won't be the walls. It'll be those that you have led and helped get to Jesus. Every time you put that dollar in the missions plate, every time you serve at VBS out there sweating, doing games, or back there in the kitchen, every time you give out that gospel CD, those are the things you can take to heaven. Brother Brad's going to lead us in an invitation, or I'm not sure what he's going to do for invitation, but you just come. If you've got family, can I challenge you? Come pray for them. Pray God will give you goals for them. God, I thank you for this day. God, I just pray I would raise my family right. Help me make you important. God, if there's somebody here who doesn't know you as Savior, they're not prepared. Help them ask me how they can know you as Savior. Maybe there's some moms and dads and grandparents that would just pray that God would give them a chance to talk to their family about the goals, the godly goals they want for their family. We just want to come and commit this time to you, God. We want, we want so badly as a church to reach the world for you. And we've got to start with our family. It's in your name we pray. Brother Brad.